turn you to the familiar Luke chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 1 through 20, and then we'll major upon the angelic message that was given to some shepherds watching their sheep out on a hillside of Judea. They were considered a very low class of people, by the way. They were on the low scale in Israel. They were despised, so much so that they weren't even allowed sometimes to testify in a case for someone. Lowly shepherds get the message that Christ has been born, the one God had promised for long centuries through the prophets of old, was now in Bethlehem of all places in a manger in a stable as it were where animals feed we read Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 through 20 and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the flock, keeping watch over their flock, uh, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, 
as it was told unto them. It would be impossible for us to fathom the depths of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who could ever count up or rightly estimate the glory of the riches brought through the willing impoverishment of the very Son of God who came from eternity into time to take upon him our very nature. To the amazement of angels, he laid aside the robe of his manifest divine glory to be robed in our frail human flesh. And when it comes time for the finishing of his work, the reason for which he came into the world, the offering of himself to die in the place of sinners, the angels who do his bidding, who obey his commands, they hear no voice commanding them to destroy his enemies and deliver them. You'll remember even in the Garden of Gethsemane when that time comes, when Peter draws his sword and cuts off a man's ear. The Lord Jesus says, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels? He would not have gone to the cross had he given a command for angels to come and deliver him. But an angel was commissioned to announce his birth and to declare who it is that was born when, of course, Mary was confused when he told her she would be with child and yet she had never been with a man. How could such a thing be? The angel says to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God, the only holy baby since Adam. And an angel was commissioned to give the first gospel message after the birth of the Savior to poor, trembling, lowly shepherds on a hillside near the village of Bethlehem. As we read here in Luke chapter 2 and verses 9 through 12. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Well, that's what we want to consider this evening. The good tidings of great joy. To the shepherds, the angel declares Christ is born unto you. Not only to him, as we shall see, but to people of every nation, tribe, tongue, people on the face of the earth. And as Isaiah and Isaiah 9 declares, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It's wondrous enough to, er, to us to understand that had it only been that he who inhabits eternity 
whom the heaven of heavens cannot contain, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. How wondrous that is. The truth of incarnate deity. He who is of the Father's very nature. God of very God. From the Father. Becoming flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. That's a wonder beyond what we could fully grasp. Ever. By human reason. We have it only by divine revelation. God has made it known to us in his word. And if the presence of the divine glory was hidden behind the veil of the tabernacle and the temple in the holiest of holies, the holy place in the tabernacle and temple, if that was a mystery to the Hebrews, how much greater the mystery of omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent deity veiled in human flesh as John in his prologue writes the word who was with God and was God he who created all things and without whom nothing was created that is created and he who was the word made flesh dwelling among us tabernacling among us made flesh taking upon him our very nature. And it's for sure that the good tidings of great joy involve the beholding of God in Christ, who says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He is the revelation of God to us. Isaiah then prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40 in that great prophecy that tells John the Baptist coming, preparing the way, going before Jehovah, declaring, as we know from New Testament fulfillment, the wonders of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, who is he? Well, in that same chapter in Isaiah 40 verse 9, O Zion that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. What a wondrous revelation we have of our God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's wondrous enough that the man Christ Jesus came to defeat the arch enemy, that old serpent, the devil, through whose deception the human race fell. And Adam lost the dominion that God had given to man, usurped by the adversary himself who is called the God of this world. And yet that dominion has been regained. And it has been regained by a man, by the man, Christ Jesus. Man by sin lost that dominion. A man who was without sin regained it. And by the cross triumphed over principalities and powers. 
and the dominion that was promised to man is regained by Christ and shall regain by all who are in this new creation created in him. But notice and take careful note that the angel associates the tidings of great joy with what this means unto us. They say unto these shepherds, unto you. Isaiah says, unto us. We know it goes further than the shepherds because of the context in verses 10 and 11. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jew, Gentile, black, white, male, female, young, old, rich, poor. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He came from the Father. He came into the world unto the Father as that prophecy of Micah declares thou Bethlehem Ephratah though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting he has given dominion he has given power over all things so that in God's consummate purpose and it shall take place that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But the good tidings of great joy is that he came forth unto you. He came forth unto you. You and I, who weren't God's friends, we were his enemies by sin. We cared nothing for him or the things of God who wanted our own way, who were born in this world going our own way, not God's way. Who would, if we could comprehend it, have pulled him off the throne if we could to do our own will and not his. We who were his enemies in our minds by wicked works, You who loved what God hated and hated what he loves unto you Christ is born. What a message. Unto you Christ is born. You who loved the darkness and hated the light. You who walked in the shadow of death unto you Christ is born. So let these words sink down into your heart. That before the rightful rule of Christ upon the throne of David is declared. Before the glorious rule of Christ is declared. The wondrous gift of God given to you and me is declared. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it, with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Before the announcement of that great rule, unto us a son is born. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. Not to those who have something to give. Not to those who think themselves rich, self-sufficient, having need of nothing, but to the poor in spirit who have nothing to give and stand in need of everything. God gives his son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And where shall these poor shepherds find the one born unto them and unto us? Where are they going to find him? Not in a stately palace reserved for the royal and the rich where they would fear to tread because of intimidation. Not to the self-righteous and judgmental religious leaders who they fear would say, these people who knoweth not the law are cursed. A thousand times no. This will be the sign, the sign that they may come and worship the royal babe of heaven. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. From whatever position in life, however poor in circumstances, however men may put themselves above you, you may find him in the clothing of humility, still in the clothing of humility, still meek and lowly in heart, still calling to you and me, come unto me. He will not even say you, nay, when you realize that your sin nailed him to the cross, the lowliest place possible, a place reserved for slaves and insurrectionists, but he will still bid you come. He'll let you hear his prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The saints throughout the ages have been broken and they realize it was their sin that nailed him to the cross. It's our sins that put him there. It's we who caused him to take the cross. It's we who caused his pain and suffering. And yet it was a divine gift. The joy of the great tidings is that God gave his very own son to be our savior. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, 
which is Christ the Lord. This is rather astounding news. Because what we sinners really deserve, compared to what divine love has given us, is amazing indeed. Amazing grace. Amazing love. Astounding. Our race, all of mankind, showed its awful sinful nature. It proved the righteousness of God's justice and judgment before the universal flood. No doubt Noah, preaching for all those years, building an ark, not one convert. Isn't that amazing? So defiled man. God will show the justice of his judgment. And the same vile sinlessness is still in man by nature. It's no different. And God's going to destroy the world by a universal flood. He saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually, as in Genesis 6, 5. It didn't stop there. It wasn't purged after the flood. In Genesis 8, in the 21st verse, we learn that God declares he's not going to destroy the world by a flood of waters anymore. Yet man's heart is evil from his birth. We were born sinners. It only becomes personal, though, when you're brought to personally acknowledge, I am a sinner. I am guilty. I am a transgressor. Have been a transgressor from the womb. And the memories declare it so. And the thoughts declare it so. And the present fight and realization that sin is in us declares it so. And that's when you're in the position to hear some glorious news. Only sinners hear the gospel. Only those who are brought in a true conviction and made to realize their guilt before a holy God, hear the gospel. That God sent his only and unique son into this world on the mission to save sinners. Who would say, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who could say, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Have you ever been lost? He came to save the lost. Those who with Isaiah can say, I'm, or with uh, Job, I, I can say, I am vile. 
Those who can say with Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips and live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What's absolutely amazing is that God loved those who bore sinful enmity against him. We can only understand that by the revelation of the very nature of God in Scripture. For God is not only light, as we learn in Scripture. He is just. He is holy. He is a righteous judge. Men shall perish forever for their sins. And yet he chose a vast multitude out of every nation on the face of the earth, every kindred, every ethnic group. For God is love. But his love does not find any reason in its objects. There is nothing lovely in us by nature before God. Everything is dark, vile, sinful. It's in the darkness of our being that God was pleased to shine his light. In the land of the shadow of death, God finds the operation of his love to take place only from himself, purely because he is pleased to do so, because it's his nature to do so. That's what John means when he says God is love independent of anything outside of himself and it expresses itself in an incredibly innumerable way God sent his son that's glorious in the fullness of time God sent his son but there's a more precious word God gave his son God gave his son the incredible gift of God. We know it from the very uh, well-known verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse is not there to be argued about as to the extent of its application. That verse is there to show the magnitude of the divine love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave the truly worthy object of his love. The truly worthy object of his divine love. He gave. The one in whom he beholds himself. And in whom from everlasting to everlasting he is in. The divine nature is one. Though in the persons of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And thus he gives his son at a cost 
eternity will not be able to calculate. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ did be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God sent his Son and made him our Christ, made him the Christ. And as Christ, that means the anointed. That's Messiah in the Old Testament. Christ, the anointed of the Father. And as the Christ, he fully qualifies him and is fully qualified to be our Savior. You see, Christ means anointed. And Christ is anointed as prophet, priest, and king, just like those offices of the Old Testament, but all now combined in the person of our Lord. Here's our prophet. As our prophet, he not only gives us the word of God, he is the word of God. He is the revelation of God to us. He is our priest. Not only as our priest does he intercede on the basis of acceptable sacrifice, he is himself our sacrifice, our eternal sacrifice for sin. And he is our reigning king, the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And his regal greatness shall never end. To the poor woman, through whom God would bring him into the world, to whom it is made known that though she was a virgin, she would conceive and bear a son. Miraculously, wondrously, though poor in circumstances, though the lowliest of a birth, as far as the circumstances of it, Yet the angel says to her in Luke chapter 1 and verses 32 and 33, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He is the Christ. And he is Christ the Lord. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Lord in the New Testament is very important when compared, used with our Lord Jesus Christ, to Old Testament prophecies. It's drawn from places that is equivalent to the Old Testament Jehovah, God. Because he is God the Son, come to us in our nature. One Christ, one person, now with two natures, having taken into 
union with his eternal deity, our humanity. He came from eternity. He came from the Father. He was born unto a virgin mother. He was born without sin. Yet he was born for the purpose of dying. There was only one reason that death came into the human race. And what was it? By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death came upon all men, for that all have sinned. Yet he who is sinless came into this world to die. You realize that the only time that the Lord Jesus mentioned his birth is at the time he spoke of his hour having come. The reason for which he came into the world when he would secure forever his eternal kingdom by the cross. Pilate would ask him, Art thou a king then? To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. To bear witness of the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Shortly before the cross, he mentions his birth. And what is the truth to which he bears witness? I am the way, the way to God, the only way to God. I am the truth, the whole truth about God. I am the life. And only as his life is placed in one by new birth do they have life eternal. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Unto us. God sent the Savior. What a word. God sent the Savior. But in order to save us for our, from our sins and to bring us to God, not by His birth, not by His holy life, not because we had any capacity to keep His teaching. But he must die in our place. He must bear all of the wrath of God against our sins. He must, in our stead, stand before the justice of God and pay its full penalty, the penalty we owed. That's why he came. 
That's why unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That's why unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The glorious and joyful news is that Christ the Lord is our Savior and saves all who come to believe on Him in truth, trusting Him alone, resting in Him and the finished work of His cross only. What joyful news! Good tidings of great joy indeed we have. Sinners who have absolutely no righteousness of their own has a righteousness supplied for them, but one they neither earned nor at any time worked for. Christ takes our sins unto himself, and in the greatness of the exchange, he gives us his righteousness. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Apart from us, not in us, but for us. Apart from us, he secures his own righteousness. Then he imputes it, he counts it ours, not by our works, but only by grace, through faith. By grace are you saved, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's for sure that he does work in us, but he only works in us because he works for us. He finished his work of redemption. What a blessed gospel. What glorious news to those who hear transformative indeed in Christ alone by faith alone we're declared righteous by God only because Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures we love to sing Augustus Top Lady's Rock of Ages. He also wrote these words in another hymn. How vast the benefits divine which we in Christ possess. We are redeemed from guilt and shame and called to holiness. But not for works which we have done or shall here ever do, hath God decreed on sinful men salvation to bestow. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord.